the show where we go behind the curtain on the stars of the culture wars. I'm your host, Alexandra Marshall, and today we are joined by Andrew Cooper. <laughs> so it is wonderful to have you here today with me, Andrew Cooper. You're, of course, one of our stars of the culture wars and conservative politics. You head up CPAC, which is the Conservative Political Action Forum, which has been going for about 50 years in the States, and you brought it to Australia. And you also lead Liberty Work. So my first question is, how did that happen? How did you end up being such a force in today's politics? Uh, well, I'd probably dispute being called a force in today's politics, but certainly uh, I'm trying to be active and I'm trying to, uh, I guess, make a difference would be the way you know most people who are involved in this sort of uh, vocation would describe themselves. Um, uh, look, you know, I, I, I've been business for you know, 20 odd years and um, uh, did okay, but also had this nagging feeling that uh, over the course of that journey, when you're in business, you get you get obstructed by crazy government rules and regulations that prevent you from employing people, from that prevent you from expanding your business, from prevent that prevent you from uh, trading um, internationally as well as domestically. And there's all sorts of barriers, and and I guess I found myself for many years complaining about these things. Um, uh, you know, at dinner parties and at barbecues and over beers and wines. And uh, and when I sold my business some years ago, I, I, I guess I just decided that maybe I should do something. Instead of complaining, I should do something. And so I started Liberty Works as, um, with some like-minded souls uh, as a bit of a uh, kind of a part-time interest. But um, it's grown now into something more substantial uh, and we're engaged in lots of uh, what I'd like to think are uh, positive Liberty projects uh, in Australia and and around the world actually and um, and so that, that, that's how it came about so it wasn't any sort of master plan uh, you know I love what the think tanks are doing in Australia but um, there are not many of them uh, you've got the IPA and the CIS and they're fantastic organizations and there are others uh, but I just felt there was a there was a need for more people to do more things because you know what Alex I feel like we're under attack um, and I felt like I felt like you know, we are the proverbial frog in the ever-rising temperature uh, that, that, that's coming to a boil and we're not noticing it. So uh, that, that's the reason um, I'm involved. That's the reason Liberty Works came about. And uh, I guess it's the reason I'll probably do this uh, until I drop. Well, it certainly has grown from a hobby into something that is quite out of control. Liberty Works on its own hosts many fabulous forums and conventions and whole sort of weekend events that you can attend and listen to great speakers from Australia and around the world. And then, of course, there is CPAC. Now, a lot of people are fascinated by CPAC because conservatives don't have a great track record when it comes to uh, getting together and having a chat about politics and getting active in politics. 
And mm. CPAC is one of those for like those big events in the States where they get hundreds of thousands of people attending and you've been bringing that into Australia. So my first question is how did you manage to get CPAC into Australia? Because that is, that's quite an achievement, Andrew. Well, uh, I guess I perceived that there was a gap in the Australian marketplace for a place for conservatives and libertarians to gather and uh, and, and 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 talk and socialize uh, and talk about the issues that uh, that concern them uh, debate some of the solutions to those issues but more importantly just really get together um, and uh, and uh, and realize that there is more than just uh, uh, you know just yourself involved in this and it can be quite lonely if you're political in this country um, if you've got concerns about political issues, it probably puts you in 10% of the population, right? Because most people don't really concern themselves that much with the day-to-day -day political machinations that go on in this country. So you're already in a small group, but if you're in the wrong location or with the wrong circle of friends or in the wrong, you, know, you know, you can feel very lonely because a big rump of those politically engaged um, activists, if you like, uh, from the left, uh, from the authoritarian left, and they have no... Um, no compunction about uh, about uh, trying to shut you down at a dinner party, trying to uh, to belittle you for the ideas that you keep, um, and 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 even even perhaps cast a dark shadow over your ideas that you're an evil person in certain circles, right? So it can be a lonely space, and and this really came home to me. Well, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, but the reason I wanted to start CPAC is I really didn't feel there was any sort of uh, big celebration of these conservative and libertarian ideas. And like, you know, we all debate amongst ourselves, you know, the solutions to common problems or big picture problems all the time, right? Um, so it's no, this, this is not, a, CPAC is not a place where you go and you constantly nod your head in agreement with the speaker on stage. I hope it's more than that. I hope it's where, uh, at you know, you have cause to pause occasionally and think about what the speaker is saying. You may not agree with that speaker, but... Um, you know, it, it, it generates and germinates an idea, something you can take to the uh, to the drinks afterwards and 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 debate amongst the amongst new friends that you'll find, and that that's the reason CPAC exists. I don't think I don't really think any of the conservative parties do any of these functions very well. Uh, certainly, the Liberal Party functions are um, well, you know, they're uh, they're preaching to the converted, uh, and uh, any and debates not really something that happens at those functions. So, you know, it's it's party independent. It's a the broad conservative umbrella, uh, and and lots of libertarians there as well. So um, and uh, it seems to have struck a chord with our attendees because uh, uh, there's we're selling out each time we have it. So it's fantastic. Yes, and congratulations on that. But what I have noticed about CPAC is that it's part forum, uh, part uh, function, part dinner party, and part cocktail party, which of course everyone loves it gets a sort of a spirit in the air of discussion and debate and i think that's really healthy for conservative politics to get people to engage in that way in a social setting and as a young person in politics well young person 15 odd years ago in politics unless you wanted to be a party politician there wasn't really any uh, event that you could go to that wasn't essentially politics driven rather than discussion driven and that's a real shame because you know, the, the grand majority of people in Australia don't necessarily want to be a young liberal or a, or a young Nat party member. They want to be engaged in a, an interesting debate, which is what you guys bring with CPAC into Australia. Um, and I, of course, went to the first CPAC with you guys, and it was 
amazing. It was fabulous. And what was it like to have someone like Nigel Farage and Raheem Kassam on the stage that you brought out from England? What was that like having that big theatre style event, which it really was uh, an incredible experience there? Well, I mean, it was uh, it was fantastic. It's like nothing I've seen certainly here in Australia. And uh, to me, uh, it all peaked at the uh, dinner on the Saturday night. It was a two-day event, but there was a large dinner on the Saturday night with about 350 people. And uh, if you recall, we had uh, Peter Credlin was emceeing a three-person panel. And on that panel, we did have indeed Nigel Farage. Uh, we had uh, Mark Latham. Uh, and we had uh, Congressman Mark Meadows, who at that time was the congressional leader of the Freedom Caucus, the most prominent Republican uh, faction in the USA, and uh, who later became uh, and is still uh, Donald Trump's uh, chief of st staff. So we had three uh, very interesting speakers, each in their own right, was incredibly engaging throughout the day. Uh, Nigel Farage, you know, burst onto the stage um, and had everyone immediately on their feet. Mark Latham holds his own in any forum whatsoever. And Mark Meadows uh, was, I guess, the surprise packet of the entire conference. So such a charming, wonderful man, uh, a man that calls Donald Trump his friend uh, and later on, as I said, became chief of staff of, uh, of the president. And uh, the interaction between those three and the iron fist of Peter Credlin and the insightful comments and questions she was uh, throwing at those three gentlemen uh, just put a beautiful capstone on that first inaugural event. Uh, and, 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 and I guess uh, the peak pleasure for me was, uh, strangely enough, uh, Tony Abbott was sitting just beside me and uh, Mark, I'd placed Mark Meadows beside him because I thought they would have some things to talk about. And uh, I turned around, looked over my shoulder to ask Tony whether he was enjoying himself because, look, there was no Liberal Party people on the stage, right? It was Mark Latham, you know. I'm going to talk to you one. about that. Yeah, yeah. So Mark Latham's up there on stage. There's no Liberal Party. And Tony, had, Tony was sitting, rocking back in his seat on, uh, with his feet up on Mark Meadows' um, chair, laughing his head off. And I just thought, well, that's just wonderful. If a former Liberal Prime Minister of Australia can sit up there and uh, can sit there and enjoy himself, obviously, so fully uh, with, uh, you know, an English Brexit Party leader, um, Mark Latham and uh, a Republican congressman, one of the most prominent Republican congressmen. Uh, I just thought that was tremendous. So uh, it was very satisfying, that first one. It was a shame we couldn't get some of our overseas, in particular our US visitors over uh, again because of the, uh, the border restrictions. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had a great event this year as well. So uh, I'm very pleased well with the way things are going, Alex. I have to say, with a few exceptions, and Mark Latham being one who is a brilliant entertainer, he was particularly good in the currency pack we just had. He was bringing the house down, which was no small feat. Yeah. But for the general population of politicians in Australia, they're quite uh, scripted. They're very stilted in their performances in any form that you put them in. But when you bring in American and uh, European, particularly our wonderful uh, British uh, politicians, they are animated, they're energetic, they, they wander around, as you say, they strut onto stage with a, a serious presence, which I think is lacking in Australian politics and Australian politicians. Do you notice that? And do you have any theories as to why there's such a, a massive gap of talent between the politicians in Australia and those on both sides of the pond? Yeah, look, I, it is noticeable, isn't it? And um, I think uh, I think Australian 
politics does suffer from a little bit of kind of uh, paint by numbers, I guess. Uh, it's very much appears to me to be very much about being on message all the time, uh, a little bit, um, a little bit perhaps poll driven and uh, a little bit overly scripted. Um, you know, but, you know, the, the UK politics just amuses me. It does throw up all sorts of quirky characters. And we have our quirky characters, of course. They're but very not dramatic. Like, people yeah, like they're very dramatic. Dramatic. Um, they're, oh. they're drama, they're theatre, they're part Shakespearean, part politician. It, it's a joy to watch. It is, isn't it? And it's interesting you say part Shakespearean. They do have a turn of phrase uh, and, a, and a way of delivering uh, a message that uh, is uh, very... Uh, very enjoyable, just simply to listen to it, even if you don't enjoy the message, right? Even if you don't, so even if you don't agree with the message, I defy anyone to listen to Nigel Farage and not smile, because the guy is just a joy to listen to. And Mark Meadows was the same. I mean, Mark Meadows is a wonderfully warm speaker, very engaging, and uh, and I, I venture to say that many Australians didn't know who Mark was. I mean, I was very pleased. That- I didn't. I was I was one of those people in the audience who uh, yeah. Mark Meadows was announced, and I saw him on the program. And I went, okay, Mark Meadows. I'll, I'll go with that. And then yeah. when he came on stage, he he had a couple of panels, if I remember correctly. You had him on more than one. Yeah. And he yeah. was a fabulous a conversationalist. And he, he was. gave real answers to questions, which a lot of politicians refused to. And he was a good sport as well. He didn't yeah. mind engaging with whoever was going to talk to him. And, and whatever the topic was, he would have a go. And he, oh, he was great. He was really yeah. a wonderful contribution to your to your forum. He was, and also uh, Matt Schlapp, who's the uh, chairman of the American Conservative Union, who uh, assisted with the, who who basically runs CPAC in the US, um, and uh, you know Matt and uh, some of his team travelled out, and, and and Matt also is a wonderful speaker. And if you just want to, if you want to, uh, a lesson in how to engage with the left wing media. You just Google up Matt Schlapp and how he deals with the CNNs and the NBCs of the world and the, the way he interviews in, uh, in American politics is an absolute lesson in how we should engage with the left-wing media here. There's no point being angry. You should be warm and engaging and you should be everything that they look at you and believe that you are. You know, so, so uh, you know, I love the way that well, the Americans... Fair, we had quite a bit of fun at CPAC with the left who were outside protesting you. Not so much this time around. There was only one lonely person. At the first CPAC, you had a whole crowd of them. And uh, I think yeah. we stole their flag. And we still have that flag at the next CPAC. So that was a bit of fun. Well, I don't like to use the word stole, uh, Alex. Okay, uh, so I think we liberated that flag. Um, <laughs> And that flag was uh, was a uh, a white bed sheet that was uh, dramatically painted with socialist alliance and Antifa uh, messages and logos. And I've had it on very good uh, authority. That flag wasn't actually owned by them anyway. They might have they might have appropriated. So we're we're keeping safe custody of that uh, sheet uh, and that sign until the rightful owner comes forward. Uh, no, let's let's that, be but... clear. What we are doing is teaching the socialist alliance about socialism because. They had a flag and we didn't. So we acquired their flag. So it was shared around the group. Isn't that how very, isn't that how it works? Very good, Alex. Yeah, that, that flag is not owned by anyone now. It's uh, it's become common property. It's a communal, well it's a communal flag. <laughs> um now look, we ex- I'm sure you expected that you were gonna get some flack uh from the left wing of Australian politics. And Christina Keneally in perfect form came out and tried to ban you outright, tried to stop your speakers from coming to the country as if she has that right to try and control the flow of information in Australia. But she did try. 
But what I found quite astonishing was the kickback you had from the heart of conservative politics in Australia, which is, of course, the Liberal Party. You had MPs who would not come, including our Prime Minister, who didn't appear on either occasion. And even now, there was still, I, I remember watching Sky News and there being discussions from some Liberal Party members about not wanting to taint themselves by being on a forum with some of your European speakers, famous mainstream European speakers. And were you quite shocked at the resistance inside conservative politics to conservative politics itself and, and how our state of conservative politics has slipped? I mean, I know, and you might have been surprised, but Scott Morrison was booed on both of your CPAC forums for not being a true conservative. Is that a is that a worry for you about the way that official MPs and representatives are treating conservative politics? Uh, well, there's a two-part question there. The first part is, uh, was I surprised that the Liberal Party, not, you know, that the that the full leadership of the Liberal Party didn't uh, attend CPAC? No, I wasn't surprised, and and that was uh, expected, to be perfectly honest. Um, it was a new event, and uh, it did uh, attract some controversy. And, uh, you know, there's some strong warriors in the uh, Liberal Party that do fervently believe in free speech, and I speak of uh, people like, uh, you know, Amanda Stoker, um, Craig Kelly, uh, James Patterson, uh, and a number of others that did defend CPAC and did defend the right of speakers to get on stage. Even if they didn't agree with the message that that person was delivering, they did agree that that person had a right to speak. And uh, so in that sense, I think I think the Liberal Party, the Liberal Party is, uh, you know, there's been an internal kind of uh, conflict going on in the Liberal Party for some years now. And I guess, uh, you know, that, that, that's to me, and I'm not a Liberal Party member, um, so, uh, you know, I, I support many of the uh, philosophical ideas of the Liberal Party, but whether they execute on those ideas, I'm not so sure at the moment. But you can see that there's tension within that party, and I guess that epitomises on one side you've got people like Tony Abbott and then the other side you've got people like Malcolm Turnbull. And I can't see that tension ever easing in the short term. I think that tension will be there. Um, CPAC won't take a position on that. We hope that the Prime Minister will one day attend CPAC. Uh, Ronald Reagan, um, you know, essentially turned up at uh, CPAC every year, including through his um, presidential terms. Uh, all the Republican presidents turn up at uh, CPAC in the US. And, um, you know, it becomes the central rallying point for conservatives and libertarians in that country. And we know that CPAC will become that here in this country. And the reaction of the Labor Party, uh, um, to the event prior to the event and also after the event kind of bears that out. They, they were concerned about what we're, what we're seeking to establish here in this country. Yes, well, all things being equal, Scott Morrison should have been opening your event as the lead speaker if it was anything like American politics. Uh, is it Now, I had to ask you this. There's been a rumour going around, and I know the answer, but the, our viewers may not. Is it true that you sent Christina Keneally some flowers for her efforts in promoting <laughs> CPAC? I did send her some flowers, yeah. I didn't get a response, uh, but I sent some flowers to the office thanking her for her contribution to CPAC. And, uh, in fact, Janet Albertson uh, suggested I do that. <laughs> so uh, I want a big shout-out to Janet. That, uh, that, uh, thanks for that, uh, that idea. I was, uh, I was uh, so, uh, so muddled. And she rang me on Monday and said, look, Andrew, we talked about this. Have you sent those flowers to Christina yet? And I said, uh, no, I haven't, but I am going to do that right now. So, uh, uh, but she didn't respond. Alex, that, what, that's what? so cruel and so, so unlike Christina Kelly. Yeah, 
Yeah. We have to pretend that she's the politician who will fail her way into the prime ministership. So uh, yep. we can look out for that happening one day. Um, but <laughs> perish the thought we end up with Christina Keneally yeah. in charge of this country, the chief censor. Yep. You also named an award after Christina Keneally. Uh, can you tell us a little about your special award that you give out every year at CPAC and the spirit behind that award? So we uh, we perceived this award uh, that we called uh, that we're going to call the, uh, the the sort of the CPAC Liberty Award or CPAC Freedom Award, and uh, but as you know, but some of your listeners may not know, prior to the 2019 event, uh, Christina Keneally got up in the Senate chambers and delivered a 10 minute diatribe against um, against uh, CPAC and some of the speakers that we were. Uh, uh, bringing over from the US and the UK, including uh, Congressman Mark Meadows, including Nigel Farage, including, uh, 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 you know, Brexiteer uh, Raheem Kassam, uh, for some of the views that they hold and views that apparently Christina Keneally didn't like. And therefore, as the shadow immigration minister um, uh, uh, claimed that uh, those speakers should be banned. You know, I mean, I just, it just it's just incredible to think that... Um, that uh, she could be the immigration minister of Australia, of this country, and just at, at the stroke of a pen could ban whoever she doesn't like. So, uh, you know, I think that's a very concerning circumstance. But anyway, she stood up, uh, you know, seven or eight days prior to CPAC in the Senate chambers and did this diatribe of a speech. And it, you can look it up. I mean, it was just a uh, just a whole lot of nonsense. But anyway... Um, and then she was supported by Anthony Albanese, uh, Richard Miles, uh, uh, Mark Dreyfus, uh, Penny Wong, they all delivered speeches and commented in the media about how CPAC should be shut down. And we looked at all this and we thought, you know what, we need, Craig, Craig Kelly came to me and he said, look, Andrew, I think we should change the name of this. Uh, I think we should in honour of, uh, in the honour of the publicity Christina Keneally had brought to CPAC, we should change this to the Keneally Cup. Um, so forever and a day now, Christina Keneally's name will be associated with CPAC uh, and it will be through this uh, award that we give, uh, which is the Keneally Cup is the award that we give to the person that demonstrates why CPAC is needed in this country. And this year, Alex, you were there. Can you recall who uh, won the award this year? Well, I think we tried to give it to uh, wonderful Daniel Andrews. Did he end up winning that year? Because he was yeah. the most hated figure at the forum. Yeah, no, Daniel Andrews was the winner. If you recall, there was a it was a tie between uh, Daniel Andrews and Antifa. And, In your mind, uh, there was a tie. The audience was like, "No, it's Daniel Andrews. It's a hundred percent Daniel Andrews." They decided to do a do a boo off, and uh, certainly Dan Andrews got uh, you know the loudest boo by a factor of ten. So uh, look, yeah, it was what all you good, couldn't hear from fun. stage is that when you started announcing it, when you began it, everyone went, "It's Daniel Andrews." <laughs> just went through the crowd. There, it was very much a consensus that Daniel Andrews was the chief of uh, attacking liberty in Australia for this year with yeah, his little southern state strong. of China, also known as Danistan. Yeah, yeah, Dan Capistan. Well, take your pick, right? <laughs> he's one of the, he's definitely one of the stars that's already signed up. Yeah. Um, no, so we knew that you'd be attacked, and Christina's Keneally's attacks were quite extraordinary, although rather humorous. Yep. But the serious attack against CPAC and yourself actually came from uh, the conservative side of government. It came from the office of the Attorney General and got you into a fair bit of concerning trouble. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what's still going on and what you're still having to fight for that came yep. as a shock to, I know it came as a shock to me and to everyone that I know. Yep. 
Uh, so the political attack was one thing, and I guess not not entirely unexpected. I mean, we knew that the Labor Party had been uh, uh, doing some background work on, uh, you know, sort of a line of attack on on us and CPAC. Uh, and uh, so that came, it became, it came in spectacular fashion. That was a little unexpected, but uh, so that came. What what I didn't, oh, and I guess the other attack was the attack from the uh, Antifa types, the violent uh, left wing of... Um, oh, of, yeah, but like, give us a couple of pitchforks and we can handle that, no problem. Yeah, 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 and it was pretty funny um, that, uh, you know, so many police and then someone, some of our people go down and liberate the uh, flag. So we spoke about that. So, you know, th th those sort of attacks I was expecting, what was entirely unexpected to me was that the uh, the bureaucracy within the Attorney General's department um, then went on the attack. And, and, and it's a little bit of a story, so I'll try and make it as simple as possible. But essentially, myself, uh, Tony Abbott, and Ross Cameron received letters from the Attorney General's Department, uh, a unit inside the Attorney General's Department called the Foreign Interference Transparency Scheme. And they asked us, they said, well, they thought that we were agents under foreign influence by virtue of the fact that we had uh, spoken at CPAC, which had Wait, a lot of... Wait, let me just stop you there. They thought that the ex-Prime Minister of this nation was a foreign agent. They thought that he was a uh, potentially a foreign agent um, and that he should register with the Foreign Influence Transparency Scheme, as should I and as should Ross Cameron. Now, we all told them to get stuffed, basically. Um, Tony was a little bit more eloquent in the manner he told them to get stuffed. But I was quite pretty rightly, well. because it's clearly exactly. and utterly ridiculous. Look, it's it's an, it was an absurd. The reasons they gave were, were, were absurd, uh, but nonetheless, uh, the act the act gives extraordinary powers to bureaucrats. Now, the next phase was where it became quite concerning for me, uh, in particular. Uh, they dropped off Tony and Ross, um, but after CPAC, I received a uh, just an emailed letter uh, that I almost missed. Um, you know, you just receive so much email these days from this foreign this foreign influence transparency scheme. And I did miss it the first time. You know, some, on the weekend I was going through my emails and I looked at it. I thought, what's this? I thought, oh, this nonsense again. So I popped it open and I had this letter signed by um, uh, one of the senior bureaucrats uh, within the department of the Attorney General uh, saying that, um, that they thought that I uh, was under foreign influence uh, and that it was beholden upon me to satisfy them this is the language they use. I needed to satisfy them that I wasn't a foreign agent. And to do so, they gave me 14 days to hand over every piece of communication, every record of meeting uh, with uh, not only every attendee at um, CPAC, not only every and every speaker at CPAC, uh, but also everyone involved in the think tanks that were uh, sponsoring CPAC, which includes the American Conservative Union. So the implications of this, and they gave me 14 days to do all that, right? So the implications of this, Alex, was that um, that I was supposed to give up all communication I had with the leader of the Brexit Party in the UK, uh, Nigel Farage, who was at that stage politicking for Brexit, right? The elections were on. Uh, he'd come out in the midst of an election campaign, which was just brilliant on his behalf. I had to give up all that communication. I had to give up all my conversations uh, and emails with um, Mark Meadows, a senior congressman in the in the US. Um, 
you know, like this just just beggared belief for me. Here I am, Australia is asking me to prove to bureaucrats that I'm not a foreign agent. And by doing so, the only way I can do that is to comply with their demands for me to give up confidential communications with with office holders and politicians in overseas in our in our um in our security partners uh, administrations well, so let, i could let's, not, re- let's remember that the the whole foreign interference bill which i have read and it's a real dreary badly written piece of legislation because it lacks uh, any focus so it doesn't it doesn't mention the intent of the person who is interfering when it was actually written to stop Chinese interference and CCP interference in Australia, but it doesn't specifically say that. And it protects the very people who are most likely to engage in that sort of thing, like foreign politicians who are in Australia. But the interesting thing is that it seems to me the Attorney General is claiming that somehow ideas of Western liberty from our parent nation and our longest, most faithful ally, which the government has serious ties to and and legislation ties to is somehow a foreign an act of foreign interference and that is quite an extraordinary premise to begin with and it's not like your forum was a closed secretive event you publicized it anyone could buy a ticket we invited many members of the of the conservative government who who were involved in this it's i just it's it's so unbelievable i struggle to describe how this even came about yeah, and look, I'm no fan of Chinese actors in Australia, and in fact, I travelled to Hong Kong at the height of the um, of the protests there with Matt Schlapp from the American Conservative Union and other conservatives, with uh, the head of the Japanese uh, CPAC in Tokyo, and we travelled there to meet with protest leaders. And uh, I've been at the front in the pouring rain with those pro- Hong Kong protest leaders, uh, with. Uh, Chinese-backed uh, Hong Kong police with their uh, tear gas canisters pointed directly in our faces. I am no fan of Chinese influence in this country, um, and I will be talking about Chinese influence in Australia for you know decades to come. Uh, but what this uh, legislation does, um, and, and it's classic, it's classic uh, mistake by a Liberal Party, right? Is is that they create legislation to solve a problem, but don't think about the unintended and unintended consequences of that legislation. What this legislation does is it gives enormous power to the bureaucracy within the Attorney General's department. Now we know what bureaucrats, where their leanings are, right? I was the first person in a year, I was the only person that received this notice and demand to give up documents. No Confucius Institute uh, was demanded to give up documents. No Chinese... uh, foreign actor was ever demanded to give up documents and threatened with uh, the implica- say the implications of not giving of not giving the documents was uh, referral to the federal police for arrest and criminal pro- prosecution and subject to 6 months jail so it was a serious matter it was a criminal prosecution matter i could not give up the documents because there was no way i'd breach the trust placed in me by uh, my speakers and by attendees at cpac and let's face it, Alex, if I did give up information, any speaker coming to CPAC by virtue of knowing that I'd have to do that would never attend. Why would they attend? Of, of, of course not. And and what a rebel you are for uh, defying the off, the Attorney General's office. Uh, good on you. It was well, well I mean, deserved. The, the only way, so I've defied it by taking the Commonwealth of Australia to the High Court. Um, so we've uh, taken them to the High Court. We lodged our claim in... Um, in February of this year, uh, the final hearing. We've had a number of appearances in the High Court. The final, um, the final appearance, uh, the final hearing is in uh, in March, early March, uh, 2021. 
So uh, we're hoping that uh, aspects, at least, if not the entirety of uh, this horrid legislation will be uh, struck out. And if I can just illustrate, and I know you're probably running out of time, Alex, but if I can just illustrate just how terrible this legislation is, the Institute of Public Affairs did some checking on my behalf on how, how this whole scenario of Abbott, Cameron and myself being chased by this, uh, this um, unit in the AG's department, how that came about. Freedom of Information request by the IPA revealed that uh, Mark Dreyfus, um, the uh, shadow attorney general within the Labor Party, met with senior bureaucrats uh, from the attorney general's department, unbeknown to Christian Porter, the liberal attorney general of this nation. Uh, so they've met in secret. Mark Dreyfus has pointed out to the bureaucrats, and this is all freedom of information, all proven Mark Dreyfus pointed out to the senior bureaucrats uh, that CPAC, uh, that we're possibly under, uh, that they should be investigating CPAC. Um, a few days later, Christina Keneally goes off in the uh, Senate chambers uh, with her uh, ridiculous speech. And a few days later after that, we get the first letter from these bureaucrats in the Attorney General's department. So it's essentially a conspiracy uh, behind the scenes, all enabled by legislation introduced by the Liberal Party. And, and, um, and let's not forget that although although it wasn't Christian Porter who actually sent you the letter, it is his department. And once they found out about it, they continued to pursue you. And so there's no way to get around the fact that you're pursued by this department from your your own conservative government. Well, I, I will mount a um, I will qualify that. I, I'm not sure I can agree with that because he claims he didn't know what the bureaucrats were doing. Uh, so take that how you will. The department on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve uh, last year, sent me a letter uh, saying that, and they knew that I was taking them to the High Court. They sent me a letter saying that they will no longer be pursuing me on this occasion uh, because my public statements were deemed to uh, disclose that I wasn't a foreign agent. Um, I mean, just beggars belief for the absurdity of all this that they would send a letter on Christmas Eve. But anyway, uh, that letter is sent. So they're not actually technically chasing me, although the letter makes clear that they may chase me again in some time in the future. It was I certainly a, a pass of intimidation to say that we might come back and uh, tap you again. But yeah. my concern is, considering this legislation is brand new, it was very serious legislation set up to handle the threat of uh, CCP influence in Australia. The fact that that could go out against not just your organisation yourself, but against a former Prime Minister without the person in charge of that office knowing seems to be an extraordinary lapse of judgment or at least should raise some questions about how that department works and how much scrutiny there is over these serious pieces of legislation that have, as you quite rightly pointed out, jail time uh, and could have, could have caused some problems politically with people in other countries who are supposed to be our allies. Um, yeah. I would ask a question, how did, and you, you may not be able to answer this, was there a response from your foreign friends, who are, of course your foreign influence friends, about this happening to the Australian CPAC conference? Like, was America and were the UK surprised that you were subjected to this kind of scrutiny? Well, the Americans, it beggars belief. And in, in fact, uh, Matt Schlapp at CPAC in, um, in uh, DC this year made mention of um, how uh, uh, publicly about how, you know, they take free speech for granted in the US, that they, that they have... They have issues, but it's in it's in the constitution. Now we have an implied right to free speech, but he said it's you know you know Americans take for granted this right to speak freely, and and yet even countries like Australia, um, free speech is uh, just under attack. Not just uh, 
not just in a practical sense, but in a legislative sense. And, and the true the true evil of this legislation is that the political class can be kept in the dark. The power relies with the bureaucrats. And technically, under the legislation, Christian Porter can't even stop that the implementation or the attack of that or the use of that legislation against whoever the bureaucrats deem they can use it against. And that's the real problem with this legislation. It gives enormous power to bureaucrats. Now, Christian Porter has reigned in the bureaucrats and he said that, and my, my quibble with Christian Porter is that he has said that there's nothing wrong with the legislation. And I say bullshit to you, Christian Porter. There is something wrong with the legislation. The legislation sits there as a ticking bomb uh, waiting to be weaponized by the Labor Party as soon as they take power. We've already had Christian Keneally uh, already claiming that uh, they're going to use whatever it takes to stop uh, speakers coming into this country. Um, she's the shadow immigration minister. We've got Richard, Mark, Dre Richard Dreyfus, Mark Dreyfus, he is a joker, but Mark Dreyfus, um, the shadow attorney general, uh, using the Attorney General's Department to chase Conservatives under this legislation, he's going to be in charge of that uh, department one day. My God, this legislation is going to be it's going to be weaponized and it's going to be used against Conservatives, Libertarians, and indeed anyone, even people from the left, that uh, may be speaking in a manner that the Labor Party do not like, uh, it can be used against them. And it's atrocious legislation. Yes, that is one of my main criticisms of Christian Porter is that he has a habit of writing legislation with enormous holes in it which can be misused and unintended consequences are rife. He has the same problem with the religious discrimination bill. He's got yeah. the same problem with his casual work bills. Uh, there's a three or four other bills that he's got there with just these gaping, as you correctly say, if they are misused and if somebody else is in power, they could be extraordinarily dangerous. And one of the, the things with a conservative government is they have to write legislation as if Kim Jong-un were running Australia. That's how secure legislation should be. Well, to give you an um, indication of how bad this legislation is, it was drafted under the Turnbull administration. Uh, oh, it was passed bad. by Morrison's administration, but in, the, in fairness to them, uh, perhaps they didn't read it properly. Um, it was uh, fully drafted and submitted under the uh, under the Turnbull prime ministership. And, um, uh, you know, that should have been a warning sign right there, I guess. But... Um, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think, conservative side of politics, the Liberal Party, uh, they tend to have a, uh, a surprisingly unfailing belief that uh, bureaucrats will do the right thing, and that's not true. We, we could do a whole episode uh, on the bureaucracy of Australia and how dangerous it is when bureaucrats are writing and enforcing politics uh, policy, especially when you can't vote them out of power and you have no idea who they even are. Yep. But before we before we finish up here, Andrew, I'd like to offer you an opportunity. Are there any new events coming up? Are you doing CPAC next year? Is there a Liberty Works event people should be signing up for? Uh, well, look, there's always Liberty Works events. So if anyone's interested, just go to the libertyworks.org.au website and uh, you can see what we're engaged in there. I mean, Liberty Works is a... Um, it's an organisation that invests in people, uh, uh, projects and causes uh, that advance liberty. So uh, one of our projects is CPAC. We have other projects. Um, we invest in uh, some legal causes. One of them is the High Court matter. We've got other legal matters that uh, we're uh, about to push in on as well. So keep abreast of that. And to answer your main question, is CPAC on? Absolutely it's on. Uh, and hopefully uh, this COVID uh, thing will be sorted out by the time... Uh, uh, it rolls around uh, in the next in the second half of next year. I uh, love to see you again there, uh, Alex, and um, 
uh, you know, it'll, it'll be massive. I mean, we we uh, we had uh, 900 tickets sold and we had to cancel 600 because of the caps on the um, – so, I mean, we'll be well over 1,000 people at, uh, at CPAC next year. So uh, it'll be a fantastic event and uh, it'll be a two-day uh, extravaganza. It'll be great. Yes, it's somewhat of a reunion where we all get together and have a blast for a you know a, well, a couple of days. It's wonderful, and uh, no, we all love it. And you can fi- you can find uh, your work on YouTube, on Facebook, yeah. on Twitter. You're all over the shop as well as your own yeah. websites. And I do encourage everyone to go and sign up for CPAC next year as soon as it's available. Um, <laughs> now, before like normally, my last question. I like to say, who would you invite to dinner if you could? Any historical, mm. political uh, okay. character. Now, considering you host CPAC, I'm going to say, Andrew, who would you invite to open CPAC if you could have anyone from history? From history? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, I guess one of my uh, personal hero heroes for, as a kid, um, first thinking about politics was uh, was Margaret Thatcher. Um, I think she, you know, she epitomises um, uh, strength, um, adherence to a uh, sound political philosophy um, and, a, uh, as she said, used to say, you know, this girl's not for turning. Um, I think that she would have been a marvellous uh, a marvelous opener for uh, any CPAC conference. I stuff that any conference, but closely followed followed by Ronald Reagan. Right? I mean, to me, those two were the peak of uh, conservative politician, uh, uh, conservative uh, political forces in uh, in in the world uh, that we've ever seen. I'm 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 libertarian uh, by nature, and Ronald Reagan always said that in the heart of every conservative beat beat a, a libertarian. So. Um, you know, I'm very uh, keen on on him as well, obviously. But uh, Margaret Thatcher opening CPAC, oh my God, that would be my uh, my dream opening. Yes, well, I would love to hear her give the left a swerve of today of what's going on, particularly this little fragile social justice warrior class. I'm sure she'd have a few choice words to say about them. Yeah. Uh, now, I must also thank you before we go because uh, it's because of your conference that I'm even a published author in the first place. So you are a wonderful force in conservative politics and libertarian politics, most importantly. Thank you so much for joining us here on Curtain Call, Andrew. Thank you, Alex. Thanks very much for having me and keep up the good work yourself. Well done. Thank you for joining us on Curtain Call. We are hosted by The Good Source, the home of conservative and libertarian voices. Help us fight fake news by following us online. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and all good podcasting services. If you enjoy this content, please like and subscribe.